Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at the Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina. They have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? In October, they have the chicken pot pie empanada filled with braised chicken, onion, carrots, peas, and a creamy bechamel sauce. Just perfect for fall. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is actually to get a box of frozen empanadas to take home, and you can find the empanadas box in your favorite food delivery apps. Check them out online at theempanadasbox.com for more information, including catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And as a special offer to listeners to the podcast, they are offering 10% off at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Post Cincy podcast at checkout. They're located at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am very happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the food is just fantastic. Thank you again to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Oh, and on today's episode of the Cincy Postcast, it's the calm before the storm. We now know who our first-round opponent will be in the MLS Cup playoffs presented by Audi, covered by the Cincy Postcast. It's our old friends Red Bull New York. We take a look at the situation surrounding FC Cincinnati as we enter into the playoffs. Are you concerned about the recent form of this team? Is the Aaron Bupenza situation well and truly resolved? And will this match actually sell out? Tickets still available at fccincinnati.com. We finish out the episode by doing a deep dive preview, as only the post can of this playoff matchup, but let's be real. We've seen these guys three times already. You know what you're getting into when you play Red Bull New York. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be your last postcast before the playoffs start. Let's hit it. Joining me to talk about all that and more is Grayson. No Kevin, as I'm sure you can surmise by the fact that I'm doing the intro. Kevin is obviously off celebrating a New York Red Bull win tonight. I think that's probably the kind of person he is, that he's a front runner. And I think he's already abandoned ship. Grayson, what do you think? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think we're down to we're down to two. Yeah. Um, Look for which, you know, some people would say, you know, we just Lost some dead weight. Yeah, many people would say. <laughs> you know, I did I did see those, an article. Those of us who don't even edit as a backup would definitely <laughs> say that. I did see a story today on somebody's Twitter feed about the lack of um, media coverage surrounding the New York Red Bulls, talking about how this uh, big playoff match tonight and that there was nothing in the Daily News, there was nothing in the New York Times, the failing New York Times. None of the TV stations had covered the team since Yar buddy to the uh, south had come to visit for an away day maybe kevin thought there was a market inefficiency and that he might be able to get to two dozen listeners faster starting the uh new york postcast oh that would be yeah 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 i mean maybe we get more maybe the new york postcast would get more than a dozen uh listeners because all 13 of the fans and 
uh, <laughs> the Red Bulls. The uh, what do they what do they call it? The, the Viking Army. The, the Windy City. The Windy City. No, I think it's the um, the Gem City. Is that right? Uh, it is the Gem right. City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they say uh, they say if you can't make it there, try to make it here. It's the city that never speaks. I think is what they uh, what they call it there. I don't know how a city yeah. would talk, yeah. but. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's kind of like how the city, how a city can be like a character in a film. Right. You know, like, like you set a movie in Chicago, like you've got mail. Right. Right. It's like Sleepless in Miami. Great is movie. That, you've got mails in Chicago. I thought right? it was in Seattle or is that, am I thinking literally of Sleepless That's, in Seattle? Sleepless in, <laughs> no, Sleepless in Seattle is in, they end up in New York, right? I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years. This reminds me of that bit. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I've seen that this movie. This reminds me of that bit in The Naked Gun where they're just talking about boxers. Like, oh yeah, Kid Detroit, he was the uh, the Minneapolis mauler. He fought out of Toledo. It's like, it was everybody was from some other city that I don't really recall. Um Yep. Yeah, that was always the thing. like, but like Rocky, like Philadelphia is like a character in the right. movie, right? Or how like Gotham City is the char- the main character in all Batman movies. Like it's just all about the broody, moody yeah. city, moody, brooding yeah. city that he operates in. By the way, were were Gotham and Metropolis always like across like a bay from each other? No, or is that just a is that just the invention of Zack Snyder? I think it was an invention of Zack Snyder. And what really made it stupid was that if they were really just across the bay from one another, it feels like Superman could have taken care of Gotham, too. That, that his, his failure to go across the bay. It's not like he has to worry about getting stuck in bridge traffic. And just like Superman, he might be late for something because the bridge gets backed up. Like you're down in Tampa and you're on the causeway or something like that or the skyway. He should be able to take care and keep the criminal element in check in both those places. Yet, we're to believe that Superman was just mostly unconcerned with stopping the Joker and all of the other non-superpower-having supervillains that were in it, Gotham? It is, it is lucky. It is lucky that all the superpower and supervillains stayed on one side of that river or bay or whatever right. it was. They stay on their half. Because, like, you get, you get one bizarro over in Gotham, and it's right. over. Batman can't handle that. That's well no well, I, I lie. Batman, if you give him enough prep time, Batman's gonna handle anything. Um no, I always thought the whole deal with like Gotham and Metropolis was that Gotham was supposed to be New York, Metropolis was supposed to be Chicago. That was like sort of the That's ex- that's always what and I thought. And they were far was, right? they were far that's... enough away from one another that you know maybe they could plausibly not interact a lot. Right, because Chicago it, may, it would make sense for Superman to go to Metropolis because Growing up in Kansas, Chicago is like where you go if you're from the Midwest. Um, if you don't go to Denver, right. you know Superman um, gets his journalism degree at Miami, and like all Miami grads, he goes up to Chicago after he graduates. What's exactly. up, Randy? And then Gotham, uh, Gotham. I mean, New York is like. Gotham FC yeah. is in yeah, New it's York. Quite literally, got, yeah, the I think. nickname for New yeah. York, Gotham City. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but you're also talking about Zack Snyder, a man that had the two main characters of the film bond over the shared realization that their mothers were both named Martha. We're not exactly talking a lot of deep writing here. I'm. I actually think that that's good. What? 
No. I think it was good. It wasn't... So it wasn't that their mothers had the same name. It was that... Which, by the way, is interesting that nobody pointed that out in like 100 years. I was embarrassed by the fact that I just realized in that moment that, oh, yeah, Martha Wayne and Ma Kent were both the same person. So... So I think the reaction to it was um, mostly people having not made the connection their entire life, just being embarrassed to admit they never made the connection. But the point wasn't that their moms had the same name. The point was that that was the first time in the movie that Batman saw Superman as a man. As a person. Just like... As a man concerned about his mother. Just somebody else's kid. Like his whole... The whole movie, he's like, "This, this guy is a god... He's a dangerous, he's not one of us. But in that moment, he saw Superman was concerned not about himself. He was concerned at the moment where he thought he was going to die, primarily for his mother, right? Right. And he saw the humanity in Superman and spared his life. And that's always what's been special about Superman, which I think Zack Snyder accidentally hit on, because I don't think Zack Snyder actually views Superman as a person. But because he he's got this whole like you know there's 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 these gods and then there's the rest of us and only the gods right. matter and he views himself as like his artist as like one of the gods. But what's been what was special about Superman? What's special about Superman as a character, which people are trying to which people I think lately uh, are misunderstanding, and getting away from, is like he is an alien, right? right? He is like impossibly more powerful right. than us, but he is. But he's also primarily like a person from Kansas who grew up on a right. farm. He's a hillbilly. Is that is that as is that he is as different from us by birth as you could possibly get? But because but he's but because of like how he grew up. And how in the values that he holds, he like chooses humanity, right? And he is a person. Right. He wants to be us. He's not a no, guy. He wants to be us. Which he is, doesn't want to be which is a what, messianic figure, which is where Snyder dropped the ball on the Superman character, yeah. was that he was more interested in Superman as this personification of what we could aspire to be, to be more like him, and to that he was this symbol and he gets it backwards. Batman is the person who wants to be the symbol. He wants to be yep. more than a man. He wants to be something that is Which feared. is paradoxical because Batman doesn't have the powers. Right. But Superman, he right. desires nothing more than to blend into our society. He does not want this responsibility. It is forced upon him. And he reluctantly takes on this role because he has the ability to make a difference. But if he had a choice, he would just want to be Clark from Smallville. That's all he wants and yeah. work on his, which, which is, is the deep irony is that he you, can't get away from who he is. If you, and if you know anything about the creation of Superman, right, you know, it's, you know, he's created by two Jewish guys from Shaker Heights, Cleveland. Right. It's right? an immigrant story. Growing up in a Jewish neighborhood, growing up feeling other, right? Right. And wanting nothing more than to just be recognizable as middle American. Right. 
American. Right. Like, well, I, I have it's, chosen my Superman life. Superman is an immigrant story, yeah. and the beautiful thing about Superman as a character is that no matter where you're from, you can just be American. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that that's what that's what Batman sees in that moment. Yeah, the problem, though, is that that's undercut by the fact that in that moment, all anyone thinks about is, oh, this is the Martha moment. Like, it undercuts the moment because, A, it makes the audience simultaneously feel dumb that they never saw this connection before. It's a head smack moment for everybody that's watching this. And B, it it comes after Zack Snyder has spent the entirety of Man of Steel and most of um, Batman versus Superman trying so hard to make Superman not a human being and to make him seem more alien than he really is. And so it just undercuts the message in that moment that, no, he he's an alien and you've taken great pains to show that he's an alien. And the entire basis of this story is that the character of Superman shows blatant and total disregard for humanity in his fight against Zod in man of steel as he crashes into buildings and brings down and kills the, the body count in man of steel is astronomical. Like Batman is entirely yeah, right, for sure. but that's like a get you got away from Superman's character that like the traditional right. Superman would never have had that fight in a city. He would have, he would have sacrificed himself to go somewhere else where the body count wouldn't have been as high. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is in it, I think it's just, I think this, this is a great example because I agree with everything, everything you just said about all the things that undercut that moment, because a lot of times, like, talented artists, like, don't really, like, know what's what works and what doesn't. Right. And they just kind of do things, and then, you know, maybe they hit on something. And I think Zack Snyder totally misunderstands the character. Absolutely. And he's adopted, he's, he's, he's broadcast his own ideology onto these characters. But he's also like when he's not when he's not wrapped up in like his overarching narrative and it's just like finding small moments. I think he's a talented enough artist that like, you know, he stumbles across across stuff like the Martha moment, which is like, frankly, the best moment in an otherwise like pretty bad movie. I don't Um, and like I think about I think about this about like uh, Clint Eastwood. Way, way more talented filmmaker than Zack Snyder. Uh, but Clint Eastwood also, I don't think, necessarily understands... Or I don't think his, I don't think his artistic vision is necessarily 100% one-to-one compatible with like his like articulated political views. Because I think like Richard Jewell was a really, really excellent film. Didn't see it. And I really do think that he set out to be like, oh, I'm creating like this Trump analog of like this regular guy beset in, by the FBI and the and the evil media. But what he ends up making, because he's too good of a filmmaker, is just like an a extremely empathetic character study of 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 your your average Joe caught up in, in forces beyond their control. Yeah, the difference between like good filmmakers or great filmmakers and just okay filmmakers is even when they're not 
working with great material or they don't understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish, they you end up with moments of brilliance in films and moments of just the shot making is so well done and the scene is so well paced that it becomes riveting because it takes you out of the moment where you're just otherwise mad or angry at how the script is going. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite example of this. Uh, she made a couple of films. Sofia Coppola was really, really good at this, where it was like a lot of really boring and mundane material, but she really had an incredible eye for how to shoot a scene. And Clint Eastwood's the same way, where he got a little up his own ass with some stuff, but just... Well, I mean, the other thing Clint Eastwood's really good at is that he he understands, too, that Hollywood cinema doesn't need to be frantic, and he can pace and have right. a moment and let things breathe, which never happens anymore. I give Snyder credit for this, and that's that he at least put a different spin on the comic book movie than the almost rote, formulaic Marvel nonsense that's been coming out for the past 15 to 20 years. It was at least different. I give him credit for that. Matt Reeves, the Batman movie, was the same way, where it's like, oh, thank God, this just feels different in tone at the very least than the quip-offs that um, comic book movies have devolved into. My only real problem with Zack Snyder is that I paid money to see Sucker Punch in the theaters, and I will <laughs> never forgive him for that hour and 45 minutes of my life being wasted. I don't... I, I am not, like, a Snyder apologist by any means nor should you be um i think i think he completely misunderstood watchmen um although i think the movie is i think the movie is like fine of itself i think it's like kind of a a, extremely flawed let's say adaptation of the of the source material um but i can't deny that he like makes makes films like he's he's got like a vision he's got like an ideology a plan and he's like he's executing something you right. know which most of the marvel movies are yeah. not the um and i i enjoy most of the marvel movies just like as just like a, a watching experience you know probably more than most Zack snyder movies but there's like nothing there's stuff that there's stuff to talk about when you watch a Zack Snyder. Movie. Actually, you know, it's like what I was talking about on like reading Ayn right. Rand. Um, like there's like, it's a rich text. Like it might be like bad, you but know, there's a lot going on, but like there's stuff, there's stuff happening and there's stuff that you can actually like talk right. about the uh, Snyder. I actually prefer, and this is heresy, I prefer Watchman the movie to Watchman the graphic novel, just because, A, I think mm -hmm. Watchman the graphic novel has one of the most unsatisfying endings of just about anything I've ever read, um, and I think that the movie actually fixes a little bit of that. The, the interesting thing about that is it's Watchmen, and then my other movie that I, I falls in this category of where... The filmmaker did not understand the source material at all that he was trying to make, but accidentally stumbled into brilliance. Watchmen is my go-to for that, and the other one's a movie we've talked about before in this podcast, and that's Starship Troopers, where... I think the, I think the filmmaker did understand the source material. No, he's on record. Verhoeven's said, on record as saying, I didn't read the book. It was dour, and I couldn't finish it. <laughs> so, 
But he didn't write the script. The guy who wrote RoboCop wrote the script. It was Verhoeven, wasn't it? Verhoeven directed it. He directed RoboCop. There was too, a different though, right? writer. Was he the same work yeah, with the same writer then? I didn't know. I thought Verhoeven did both. Yeah, same writer. Um, uh, he so, but I think Starship Troopers is a is a great. It film. is an criminally underrated film. It is so good at, at what it sets out the, to the do. Is, that, the other thing that's great about Starship Troopers too is that it's so timeless in how it talks about the the march to war and the slow creep of fascism that. It works as a really good analog to how things worked in the build-up to uh, to the Iraq War post nine eleven as well. Yeah, like it's almost yeah. scary how well it lines up. The pro- the problem is like the people that <sighs> the the people that most need to like watch it and take lessons from it probably too stupid <laughs> to to understand what lessons they should be taking You mean from the people it? that don't realize Doogie Hauser is dressed like a member of the SS the entire <laughs> time and he is not the good guy? <laughs> the, so, yeah, I mean, I, I this is not my original thought, but I think it's I think it's exactly correct. Is Starship Troopers is the propaganda film that this society would make and release about their war on the bugs. Absolutely true. No, no doubt. Yeah. Like you were watching, and once you understand that, it's no, no notes, none. Like the, um, the part Paul Verhoeven has talked about, like casting bad actors on purpose. Yes, yeah. that is supposed to be schlocky. It's, that is, it is supposed yes. to be, it is supposed to be something. They're supposed to be like perfect looking, like representations, Nazi, yeah, representations, fascist looking people, yeah, the best yes. of our race. That this is what humanity should aspire to be. Vapid looking people, following orders, staring down the camera, delivering lines like they sucked out his brains without a hint of irony whatsoever. Like this was the film they forced you to watch in school as to why we are still at war with the bugs and devoting like 70% of our GDP to an ongoing war effort that really doesn't impact anyone's life or make anyone's life better on Earth. Yeah. So good. And it's... It's too smart for its own good. Yeah, at, like, and the thing too is that the, the marketing was terrible for this movie too. Like I remember when this movie came yeah. out, it was billed as a straight action movie, and everyone went to see it and they were like, "What in God's name is this?" It's like, no, it is brilliant. You just aren't ready for the smoke that this movie is dealing with you in terms of its commentary and, on war, uh, propaganda, fascism, and not really recognizing who the good and the bad guys are. The bugs are the good guys in I that guess... movie unequivocally <laughs> absolutely the bugs are 100 percent the good guys there's there's even like a there's like a line that's dropped at one point that it's 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 just briefly mentioned one time but humanity is the aggressor yeah, in that there's film. there's a debate show that they show a brief clip of where someone who is who is specifically portrayed as a weak academic looking individual talking about how we are encroaching on their territory and that it's us moving in that has made them aggressive. And he is, it, it was almost, it reminded me of the old uh, Hannity and Combs show where they, they yeah. always set yeah, up yeah, yeah. Uh, Hannity to be, to have like the punching bag to knock down or like Stephen A on first take where they set him up with the weak takes from Max Kellerman so that he can look smart. And then they just pulverized this guy talking about how he's anti-human and, we have no time for this kind of talk. We're at war. And it's like, he's making a really good point. And he's sort of, he's saying the quiet part out loud. 
And you know, I've I've heard I've heard people say like, well, I don't really think it's I don't really think it's a satire. I think it's just a bad movie. And then they um, tried to explain that away as as being satire or whatever. And like, watch every other watch any other Paul Verhoeven yeah. movie. Like Paul Verhoeven is a satirical director. Yeah. Robocop, it's a of capitalism. Robocop <laughs> is a hilarious movie. It's a, it, like, Robocop. It's a takedown of nineteen eighties corporatism, and like. And yes. the the push the the Reaganomics push towards privatization and just the unfettered like the damn corporation is called Omnicorp like it's a mm-hmm. critique of just the mergers and acquisitions and the the upward sort of consolidation of resources in the hands of very few corporations it's a it's a phenomenal satire of our economic system in the eighties yeah I don't understand how people don't see this I guess I don't know I don't know. So speaking of speaking of RoboCop right. and uh, buying things for a dollar, I'll buy that for a dollar. Um, I thought that we would start this episode um, with some uh, with some buy right. sell. How's that? Oh, sound? other great movie that you didn't realize is a uh, critique, or is it not a critique? It is a wholehearted endorsement of 1980s capitalism. Is Ghostbusters? People don't recognize this movie for the message it has often enough. The uh, the when you break down the plot of Ghostbusters. It is a group of entrepreneurs who start their own small business are uh, have to fight back against crippling regulation being offered by the villain who is the Environmental Protection Agency in this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I love – so Ghostbusters, incredible film. Um, I had an idea for a Ghostbuster, for Ghostbusters reboot years ago before they did, like, the various attempts at a Ghostbusters reboot. And um, I think I can – sum it up really quickly. So basically like after the events of like Ghostbusters, they get real famous, they franchise. Right. Okay. People buy people buy franchise rights and open up little like Ghostbusters mom and pop shops around uh New York and around the country. And um uh uh Woody Harrelson, uh Rosie Perez and two other kind of like middle aged people Work in like a struggling Ghostbusters franchise, and they're losing all of this business. This. They're losing all of this business because um, a like Uber for Ghostbusting has come up, like an app, a, t- okay? a technology, a technology disruptor in the Ghostbusting space. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. So there's all these like there's all these like little hipsters around with like uh, like rented proton packs and stuff, like undercutting them beating them to like ghost scenes and things and their business is struggling. And it's, and I, I think it's like, I think it's like Woody Harrelson. I, I had like a whole cast, but like Woody Harrelson, Rosie Perez, uh, maybe like Marissa Tomei and like Leah Schreiber or right. something like something, something like right. that. Right. Like those, those kinds of people. And, uh, the app gets haunted. So the actual phones start, your phone is haunted by this app. Yeah. So the only people who can save you are this like one last, essentially last like blockbuster or last like taxi cab can, company. Can I offer a addition to this plot that I think would be tremendously funny? All right. So yeah. you would have had to have made this a while ago before you stopped acting. But you recall the character Rick Moranis, Lewis Tully, was a lawyer in that yeah. series. It would have been very... Was he a lawyer or was he an accountant? He was a lawyer because remember he defends them in Ghostbusters 2 in court. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're right. right you're right. You're so... Right. He is in this town, and he is 
litigating and lobbying on behalf of the Ghostbusters to try and convince city council to pass an ordinance that will stop these startups from uh, these app companies from doing this because they're not properly insured. They're not real Ghostbusters. It's really putting too much power in people's hands. And so he is also, as part of the plot, uh, attempting to take depositions and doing things to undercut this app from its business model and uh, involved in a lawsuit on the on the same time. Because I always like whenever we can involve an unnecessary courtroom scene in any movie. Yeah, so so I think where the, the recent one went wrong is like treating like the Ghostbusters, like they're being like personally special and now becoming like a story about family or whatever. Right. The movie was about like city economy, yeah. like you just said, yeah. right? So like just update it for like, economic issues that are more relevant for right. today. What city would you set this you in? Know? It can't, like we said, this, the, the city has to be... New York was very much a character. In I mean, should it be... Should it be San Francisco? I don't know. It's got to be something... What, what's an objectively funny city for this to take place in? Someplace with like, like Houston, where traffic is awful, so it makes it harder for the Ghostbuster to get... From point A to point B, someplace where that's like, maybe, yeah. Um, or like, oh no, I'm open for I'm open for suggestions, uh, folks. Put them in the put them in the and comments. See if you can write Doctor Cop Attorney at Law into this plot as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so speaking of the economy, how about we do a little a little round of buy and sell? All right, I'm into it. Okay, so this is a soccer podcast, as people. People know from the first twenty uh, minutes, from the, the first, first twenty minutes, half hour of this show. Um, this is this podcast focused exclusively on FC Cincinnati and stories relevant to the local major league soccer team. Yep. Um, so buy sell uh, the Michigan University sign stealing. No big deal. No big deal. I have no big. I, I I'm selling this as a scandal. Look. The only way that this is a scandal is if you can tell me that they are tapping into some sort of like headset feed or something like that. But sign stealing is a part of every sport. The only part when I get a problem with it is if you're doing something that like the regular average person would have no ability to do. But my understanding is they just had a dude buying tickets to these games, sitting and watching the sidelines. And if your signs are so easily stolen by a guy watching the games, get better signs. I think somebody was saying that, like, um, there are already teams that are combating this, that they will have multiple play calls on the sidelines, and it's one guy's wearing a red hat, one guy's wearing a blue hat, and one guy's wearing a green hat, and the signal is relayed into the quarterback by a player making a substitute red, and he looks at the red guy versus the green guy, so you never truly know who's giving the signs on any one play. Now, this is not a, this is a non-troversy. I'm sorry that you're mad that Michigan is trying to outsmart the system, but I don't know. I don't care. I, I think that the people trying to pretend like they're not doing anything is really funny. And like any stupid little scandal I enjoy for sure. But speaking as an Ohio state fan, I don't care about Michigan stealing signs. And frankly, it's just another reason to fire Ryan day for that. He's not already doing this. Like you just don't, he just doesn't want it. Like he does not want it enough. 
the other thing too about all these college coaches is they'd sell their mother and their children down the river if it meant one extra five-star recruit would sign on it's the dirtiest sport known to mankind i'm sorry you don't get to be sanctimonious about sign stealing this is this is so no. stupid and it's just yeah so i'm okay. selling so, i'm selling um, the hell out of that yeah so buying that it's not buying a big that's deal. not a big deal sure um, so I was listening to a uh, radio station today, and uh, a Pandora station okay. today, and the uh, uh, soccer mommy cover of "I'm on Fire" came on, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the lyrics, and I was like, "This song is kind of creepy," when sung by Bruce Springsteen. So what I'm what I'm offering for buy sell is uh, only lesbians should sing the Springsteen song "I'm on Fire." I think anyone should be. I don't think anyone should sing Bruce Springsteen songs. I don't get Bruce. Ooh. I don't get Bruce Springsteen. Okay, I have tried to get into Bruce Springsteen. On paper, it feels like someone that I should enjoy. You know me. Oh, this is so me good. having been to way too many concerts in my life from a band uh, that tours around the country and is fronted by a man named Dave. You can figure out who I'm talking about. Um, I just Bruce has never done it for me. Ever. And I get that's why I'm not a good sport. I didn't go into the sports writing business. Because when you become a sports writer, you're apparently required to love all things Bruce Springsteen. I, I have to forswear my Jersey roots, I guess. You know, father from New Jersey. I don't get Bruce. I never have. He's fine. But I just don't I don't get it. I don't get the obsession with Bruce Springsteen. I love I love that take. Because I also don't okay. get it. Right, I also you. don't get it with I Bruce don't... Springsteen. So I like I like a lot of his, I I have you know I have Born to Run yeah. on vinyl He's in fine. the other room. It's a good yeah. album. Um, but the people that really love Bruce Springsteen, they're not like your working man. No, they're fancy lads who like to wait, who like to ape working man aesthetics. Right. Chris Christie is like the embodiment of like. Your big Bruce Springsteen fan, right? It's it's a it's a rich guy, a rich comfortable guy, who likes to talk with an accent or right, you know, curse sometimes or like act you tough. Know, he's the he's like, the blue collar comedy tour of music, where it's like yeah, there's something that has always come off as slightly inauthentic about Bruce Springsteen. It's like I feel the same way about Jimmy Buffett for that regard. God bless him. Rest in Jim Buff- Jim Buffett's re- fun. Re- His songs are fun. Sure. But like there's a there's a problem that I but have with yes. it where you are selling me Carpe Diem at the same time you're trying to get me to take your shitty Margaritaville cruise and stay at your Margaritaville resort at Newport on the Levee and eat at your shitty overpriced TGI Fridays Margaritaville restaurant, all while telling me like, hey, lay back, life's a beach, whatever. It's like, no, this is a soulless corporate empire that you have built. And it's you can do that, but then don't sell me the bullshit that this is all about living free and be living carefree and all that. It's the same thing with Bruce Springsteen. It's like, all right, you're a working class hero, then you're charging me $125 for fucking tickets to your show, and everyone there is upper class buying Ticketmaster Platinum. It's just, I, I, I don't get it. It's not, you know who's authentic in this space? And I understand he's problematic, but God damn it, he is exactly who he says he is, is Kid, Kid Rock. Oh no, he's not. He's for oh no. Yes, 
You lost me here. Yeah. Kid Rock is not authentic. Here's in why space. he's authentic. In this. Kid Rock is like the son of a multimillionaire right, but, car dealership owning right, guy he, he, who tried to make it as a rapper. Right. Who failed? Who, what, what rich kid in the in the late nineties didn't try to make it as a rock rapper? No, 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 he's, no, 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 no. I'm no, off no, this no, train. Is, I'm off this he train. Is, he is exactly in terms of like what he portrays himself as is the same guy. He's selling concert tickets for twenty five bucks. And the T-shirts at his show are fifteen bucks. Is that because that's all his fans can afford? Maybe, but at the very least, the person he is portraying is consistent with how he, you know, puts his shows on and how he does things. Other than shooting up Bud Light and then drinking it later, that's kind of that's a little weird. But you know, you know who the great, you know who the great East Coast American singer songwriter is. I mean, there's so many to name. Frank Sinatra comes immediately to mind. It's well, I said singer songwriter. Oh. It's Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. <laughs> Billy Joel is like my most cancelable take is Billy Joel is a much greater artist than Bruce Springsteen. And I I love his music. I know people think it's light. It's not. Just because it's catchy doesn't mean it's not light. And you know what it is, is Bruce Springsteen like thinks he's sweet. And he thinks he's like doing something, right. right? He's like a he's like got like a message, and he's like, "I'm gonna change the world because I'm so important." Billy Joel thinks he is personally a piece of shit. <laughs> he hates himself, yeah. and his songs like reveal that he hates himself, and they're catchy because he is desperate for you to like him. Billy Joel is an artist. I'm going to say this. Bruce Springsteen hasn't written a song as good as Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. That's No, he hasn't. He hasn't made an album as good as The Stranger. I also appreciate with Billy Joel that he has the self-awareness to know that We Didn't Start the Fire is fucking terrible. Like, I really, really appreciate yeah. that. And that, like, he understands that, but somehow Fallout Boy didn't. So, yeah. what am I uh, selling? I'm selling... Yeah. I am selling... I'm selling that anyone should ever sing Bruce Springsteen songs. Here's the other thing about it. Bruce Springsteen can barely sing Bruce Springsteen songs. Um, I went to see, I went to a John Kerry rally in 2004 and Bruce Springsteen was there and it sucked <laughs> to be honest. He just like, he like gave a speech and he was like, and he would, it was like a speech and he was just like, fitting his like lyrics into the speech. Like he's like, just like me, John Kerry was born to run. And I'm like, Oh and people were eating it, eating it up. (laughs) I'm looking around and I'm like, this, don't you guys know this sucks? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, that's um, it. So yeah, I guess, I guess we're selling Bruce Springsteen. That same year when I did, I skipped seeing John Kerry in Toledo to go watch, uh, the aforementioned Dave Matthews played with uh, Jurassic Five and Ben Harper, and then Neil Young came and played the entire last set with uh, Dave Matthews. It was an incredible concert. Um, okay, so buy or sell. Sharon Stone is hotter in Casino than Basic Instinct. I'll buy that. Basic Instinct's a terrible right. movie. Like, if it wasn't for that scene, it's also Paul Verhoeven. Right. It's just not one of his best. Like the only that that movie is. That movie's reducible down to one risque scene. That's all anyone remembers from the movie. There's it, 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 There was no cultural touchstone beyond that. And, I don't know, 
I don't like Basic Instinct. Casino's a great, Casino is a great movie, though. Casino is an all-time classic. I don't trust people that haven't seen Casino in terms of understanding. I, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago, so it's yeah. top of mind. So good. Um, I think it's better yeah, than Goodfellas. So that's a controversial, that's a controversial take I'll make. I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but it's, it's certainly, um, it's certainly worthy of, of Goodfellas. Um, buy or sell Bradley Carnell is coach of the year. Oh my God. Sell. I'm, I'm sell. so mad about this take and I'm so glad that you have seized on this point. I don't want to steal your thunder on this. So I'll let you go off on it. No, go seize. 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 I have been sold a lie this year. I have been sold a pernicious lie that somehow what St. Louis FC is doing right now or SC is doing has never been done before that they are some historically great expansion franchise. And, oh, my God, isn't it so impressive what they've done? They're not even the best expansion team in history, let alone the best Western Conference team, any of that. LAFC was better. And here's the other pernicious lie I have been sold, that, oh, it's so much more, it's so much better what Bradley Carnell has done because he's done this all in in just one year. In just one year. He has had years for this squad to be prepared to go into MLS. He was the coach there, if I'm not mistaken, last year. He was actually hired before Pat Noonan to be the coach of St. Louis City SC. He's been on the job longer than Pat Noonan. Um, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I still keep going back to this thing that Doyle said when he was on the podcast. He has been he so he has not quite been as long as Pat Noonan, but he has been basically as long as Pat Noonan. He was hired to coach St. Louis City SC on January fifth, two thousand twenty. So two months. He has two months on Pat Noonan. When was Pat hired? Like October, I want to say. Oh no! After the season, so like November. November. It was yeah. whatever. Albright was hired in October. Okay. So. Whatever it is, he has been on the job basically the same amount of time as Pat Noonan. He didn't inherit all the problems that Pat Noonan did. There was never an ask of Bradley Carnell to figure out a way to fit round pegs into square holes. He never had to deal with, you know, well, you got Alvaro Barrial. What are we going to do with him? Oh, we're going to teach him to play a brand new position and make him an MLS best 11 player on a brand new position. We're going to get the most out of Brandon Vasquez, someone who had never shown anything or been offered the opportunity to show anything professionally. We're going to dance around the fact that we have contracts like Yuya Kubo and Kenneth Vermeer. We're going to somehow manage to get Brenner's sale value up high enough that we're not going to take a bath on him. I'm sorry. At every stage of Pat Noonan's career at FC Cincinnati, he has been a better coach than Bradley Carnell. He's done more with less. He didn't have Bradley Carnell didn't inherit the problems. He had over a year before his actual debut in MLS to get his stuff right. No, it's nonsense. Sell. Yep. I mean, Noonan had to like figure things out while also win winning games. Yes. It's in, it's insane. It's, to me. I I am so and angry. Like, Again, once again, people are like, oh, people, like, Matt Doyle was on this podcast last yeah. week saying that, that St. Louis put together the best expansion season of False. all time. They did dent. False. They didn't. 
And I, I made this tweet and some people who, frankly, I wasn't even talking to because my Twitter is for FC Cincinnati fans. You should put that in your bio. Fans of other teams, do not come in and talk to me, okay? <laughs> but I people get in and, be, and say, uh, well, they had the most... They had the most wins of an expansion team. Well, first of all, they didn't. Chicago had 20 wins their expansion season. Okay? But number two, we go by points, honey. <laughs> Dear. We don't go by wins. You know, you know what having more wins and less points means? You lost more yes. games. You didn't finish in first. You finish lower in the standings. We do the standings based on points in this league. In every league. Standings are by points. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> it's so stupid. And then the other thing, too, is I, I keep going back to this, and it, it makes me more mad every time I think about it. And look, I appreciate Matt Doyle doing the podcast. I appreciate him standing up for his takes. But to say with a straight face when asked, what could Pat Noonan have done to win Coach of the Year this year? Said set a points record. Oh, so the only thing Pat Noonan had to do to win this award was be the coach of the best team in MLS history. Do you know what a travesty it would have been if he would have set a points record and not won the goddamn award? <laughs> well, so what? What about just getting more points than the guy who won Coach of the Year last yeah. year? And the, that guy having come into the season. With the expectation of winning the league, how about the how about right? this? with a with a settled team that had been good for several years, not walking into the situation that Pat Noonan walked into? What is the argument for? And by the way, the last decade, the the coach of the year winner has finished within two points of the supporter yeah. shield, and like eight out of ten times won the supporter shield or was tied on points like Curtin last year for the supporter shield, and we're in Carnell will have the worst coach of the year season in, I don't know, living memory? What do you think he really, like, what could Pat Noonan have done to win this award? Nothing. I mean, that, that's, it, it's like, nothing. Do more. He, he, came in, he came in last year with worse expectations than Carnell, no time to prep, a disaster of a roster, and, and a team that... MLS pundits had been saying on all of their little podcasts that nobody wanted to work for Jeff Birding, and this team is years away from even being competitive. They just need to bunker down and, you know, hopefully not finish last for a couple of years. And he took that team to the Eastern Conference semifinals and gave the team that won the Eastern Conference the best game that they had all playoffs. And he got basically no buzz for Coach yeah. of the Year. What's and, and, and that's fine. That's fine if we're using the, the established criteria for Coach of the Year. But now this year, we're changing the criteria, and we're giving it to Carnell, basically just to not give it to Pat Noonan. It's funny, too. I remember the takes when Pat Noonan was hired from all these same pundits was that Cincinnati fans need to brace for a multi-year rebuild, and they need to give Chris Albright and Pat Noonan time. They need to give them time because they're going to need to get their guys in. And it turns out that was a lie. You don't need to get your guys in. You just need to be a good coach and do more with, with what you've got on staff. I just wonder if maybe if Pat Noonan would have been, maybe do a few more podcasts, do the interview circuit a little bit more, 
Maybe he's being punished for that. Maybe he's being punished for his brevity and comments in his post-game uh, interviews. I don't know. I, I thought, wasn't the whole point of hiring Noonan and Albright that we would start to get some shine from the national media because we're hiring their buddies, guys they played with, and guys they knew? I'll tell you what I think it is. I think the media is shell-shocked by how how hard they leaned into the team being a disaster and how committed they were to that take. And they just want to erase it. They don't want to acknowledge it. I have a more, insidi- I have so more like, insidious take than that. I think that I think so, that it would cause physical pain for a lot of these people to say anything that could possibly be interpreted as praise for a decision Jeff Birding made. I think he's that reviled within league circles. Yeah, it's probably true. Um, and I think that, you know, owning their, so they have, they have three choices, right? They can either acknowledge that, well, I guess two choices. Well, three choices. One is say Noonan did a miracle. Right. Okay. Two is admit they were wrong and the team wasn't in, in as bad of a position as they all said. They were just kind of feeling themselves and reveling and shitting on a team in a forgotten part of the country that was down and out. Right. Or three, they can just basically pretend none of that ever happened. Yeah. Option four. And just say, yeah, well, Noonan, Noonan, like anybody could win in Cincinnati. It's not impressive. Right. <laughs> that Noonan did what he option, did. Option four and all this. Have you seen that roster? Option four. And I'm okay if this ends up being the take out of this. Like, I am okay. Believe it or not, I am okay with Pat Noonan not winning coach of the year under this circumstance. That from now on, if you're hired as a coach somewhere and you don't turn the ship around within two years, if after year one things aren't looking better, be on the hot seat. Why? Because apparently it's the expectation of the norm and it's nothing special to take a team that has finished in dead last place for three straight years and have them in the playoffs in year one and have them winning supporter shield by year two. And if that is truly not special enough to award coach of the year for, you should be fired for not doing it. Yeah, I agree. If you don't, if you don't do the greatest two year points jump in MLS history fired, yeah, Fired. That's like, that's because expected. That's that's a pedestrian. That's apparently a pedestrian that's coaching a normal job. coaching job. You don't even win. Co- that's a, that didn't even win your coach of the year. And if you if that's what we're talking about here is a normal non award winning coaching performance, then there's a shitload of people in this league that need to be on desperately on the hot seat for how things are going. Um, yeah, like Wayne Rudy shouldn't have been allowed to step away. Wayne Rudy should have been fired. I don't care what his name is. Why? Because the expectation should be that hell. If Pat Noonan can come to Cincinnati and win the great Wayne Rooney should have that team, you know, qualifying for the Club World Cup inside of six minutes. If lowly Pat Noonan, never been a coach before, assistant under Jim Curtin, if he can come in and do this then not win coach of the year, then surely the expectations need to be greater across the board for every single person. Shit, these coaches should be lobbying for Pat to win. They should be talking about what an incredible job it is because they're all looking like fools if they can't turn their clubs around yeah. as fast as Pat Noonan did. Making them all look bad. Um, Maybe that's why he didn't win. Maybe there's a whisper campaign against Pat 
that he is he's violating the unwritten rule that he's he's the guy at the office or the guy on um I don't know do you watch Lower Decks or am I the only person that does that I don't no. watch that well you're missing out no they have this thing called um it, I forget what the term was but it's when uh, the main character Boimler starts doing jobs too fast. He makes everyone mad because you got to understand you need to keep things slow. Otherwise, the expectation will be that you get more done during your day. And if you do that, then you're ruining it for everybody else. Maybe that's the problem here is that uh, Noonan made everyone else look so bad with this turnaround job that he's now being blackballed by his fellow coaches and uh, members of the media who want to hire hold people to low expectations. That's my take. All right. It's a good take. Uh, next one, uh, buy or sell that instead of going by seed each round, the higher seed should just get to pick their own playoff opponent in I order. I this. I've had this take for a while because then you are, you get the motivation of, oh, they picked us. They don't even respect us enough to want to play us, but it offers you the opportunity as the higher seed to pick the matchup that works best for you as opposed to the team that didn't finish with whatever record it is. No, I absolutely love this. I think that this should be done in all sports. I'm surprised the NFL specifically hasn't done this, because this would be absolute must-see TV. The the selection show would be absolute must-see TV, where you would have like one coach and the team captain sitting at a table, and they would make Pat Noonan and Lucho go up to the microphone and select who they are playing, and then the camera would cut the team they're playing and they get the death stare going back and forth and the announcers would be like oh we can't believe it we thought for certain they would select uh new york but that's a matchup nightmare for them so they went with new england the team that's losing its head coach and is in a free fall right now i would love that i am so in on this this is i will i'll buy that for every dollar in my wallet all right well i i I also buy it so rather than belabor the point uh between if this was FC Cincinnati's option right now, yeah. between New England, Atlanta, Nashville, and spoiler alert, New York Red Bulls, who uh, beat Charlotte Clobbered. tonight, who would you pick? New England, far and away. It's Same. the, the yep. all right. So let's let's make this interesting. We'll take New England off the table. The second uh, choice I would make is I would choose. Um, I would choose Nashville. Yeah. Um, Nash- Nashville hasn't hasn't Nashville like not scored no, in the they, last like four games. They don't or something score. Like, that? like if you look at their um, or four goals in the last five games. If or you something. look at like their average goals per game between the first half of the season and post leagues cup, they're scoring like I think point seven goals per game, point six goals per game post leagues cup. They haven't looked good. Haney Mukhtar has fallen off a cliff in terms of his production. The team looks bad. They're in an awful run of form, and they play on natural grass, so you don't even have the turf issue going back and forth in there. Easy away day for the fans. Nashville would be, if if we're taking New England off the table, Nashville would be the team I'd most want to play right now. Results in yeah, history. Nashville aside. has failed to score. Nashville has failed to score in four of the last five games of the season. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's why this system is, is so nonsense, is that, you're getting a Red Bulls team that chronically underachieved the entire year for FC Cincinnati that's coming in red hot that just beat this FCC team a couple of weeks ago. They wouldn't even be in my top five teams I'd want to play in this playoff bracket right now. Yeah, so Red Bulls. Um, 
Red Bulls won four of their last five games. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's what that's who you want to play going into the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, so this this bleeds into the next one. Um buy or sell FC Cincinnati's late season form is concerning for their postseason prospects. Buy? Maybe? I don't know. It's so hard. It's it's you know, suffering from success would be the headline on FC Cincinnati. It's been so long since they played a game that mattered that it's really hard to have any idea whatsoever what the effort level was, what the give-a-shit-a-meter was running at for the last couple of weeks. I I have a hard time, as much as I want to be the reactionary fellow that I always am, I have a hard time really getting fired up about results that don't matter and games that don't matter. So let me let me tweak the question a little bit then. Does the fact that they haven't played a meaningful game in a month or more uh, factor in at all? Yeah, I think it does actually, and it's worrying because you don't know this team's ever been in this position before. And I was talking with somebody at work today. And the idea came is, I don't know that I love being the number one seed. I love winning the supporters' shield, but I don't know that I like being the the targets on their back team. I think I would almost feel more comfortable being the number two seed in any playoff situation, just so that there isn't that extra added motivation of, oh, they were the best team all year, and that we aren't sitting there going into this game thinking we were the best team all year. We can just turn it on when we need to. Because we've seen this team start slow in games, get behind, and they haven't looked great in elimination games they've played this year. They didn't look great in their League's Cup elimination game versus Nashville. They didn't look great versus Inter... I mean, they looked, they played well versus Inter-Miami, but they didn't seal the deal versus Inter-Miami. Um, I wish that they were coming in hotter. I don't know that I'm concerned. That might be a strong way to say it, but I wish they looked just a little better or had a little more live pitching over the last couple of weeks of this. I don't know. Am I, am I overreacting right. on that? I feel like I might be underreacting if anything. I don't know. I mean, we'll see, we'll see how they come out of the gate on Sunday. Right. right? I mean, I have, I have concerns about the late season form. I'm actually more concerned by the, the lack of any real stakes for getting up for the last, frankly, before they won the supporter shield, yeah. it was a foregone conclusion, right? It's like this team's been on cruise control. the last like two months of the season. It was like, if we get like a point, right, we're going to get the supporter shield. Um, I, I feel like, you know, it's like you take a couple weeks off work. You got to, it takes you a little bit to get into the mindset, you right. know? What um I I do feel like that 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 it it just can't be the same. It just there's no way it's the same mindset yeah. that they're gonna need them in the playoffs. So then it's just are they gonna be able to conjure that on demand? Right. I hope yeah. so. The good news is is you if you do wanna say good news for this is that this isn't their first time in the playoffs. This isn't a team that the majority of this team was in this position last year as well, got up for the playoffs. Um, 
They were not in this position last year. I mean, they put... They, they, needed, they needed to win, like... There was a scenario where they needed to win against DC last game of the well, season. What I meant is that, the, to make that the this team is not like this is not a first time playoff team. This team has been in the playoffs sure, before. Yeah. They have they've played multiple playoff games. Um so what the intensity and what they need to do to get themselves to, they know the level they need to play at and they know the level they need to be at in order to be successful in the postseason. So there's no surprises and there's no secrets there as far as that goes. And I don't know. This team's had a strange knack for when it needed to get up and do something. It got up and do something. Like we thought they were in a death spiral a little bit after dumped out of the league's cup, got destroyed by Columbus, heartbreaker versus Miami. They come back and follow that up by beating the ever living shit out of NYC FC. And in the games that mattered, this team rarely faltered at home. So. I think that's the ba- the big equalizer here. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Know. And I mean, we're going to find out what they're made yeah. of, right? No, we absolutely are. Whether they have whether they have that uh that mentality. Manalytics. Uh that dog yeah. in them as the kids say. Yeah, yeah we're going to find, find out. out what that dog is. Uh speaking of finding out, uh buy or sell, the uh, Bupenza drama is over. Buy. I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy. buy that it's over for now. So, the it sounds like he's back at practice. It sounds like he is back per the paper of record. The, he's back, in, back practice. in practice. Paper of record also indicating that any issues are settled. I don't know if that's based on anything other than just Pat trying to be coy with his wording. Which either way, job well done. I said it on this weekend. And I still believe it that it has to be buried for now. And whatever has happened has to be buried. The focus has to be on this, the playoff run. It has to be on these games. And whatever decisions are going to be made about Potenza are going to be made in the offseason. And there will probably, if I don't know that we'll ever know what the exact situation was with him, but if it was bad enough that they're going to look at moving on in the offseason, they'll look at moving on in the offseason. I think that it's, wholly absurd that there are portions of our fan base that are already talking about using the buyout on him. That's just calm down a little on that. That's wait, someone who said, Oh, that? you don't have to do. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me who said that. I don't I actually don't want to know who said that. Cause I haven't, I haven't right. seen it, but you saw somebody say using the buyout on, on, on Facebook's him? a wild place. We'll put it that way. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's don't, we don't need to go there. We have a proud history in nah. this city of, Firmly getting on top of our strikers whenever things seem to go a little bit sideways with them. Um, but for right now, it has to be in the past. This, this, The coaching staff, and I think Noonan and Albright recognize this, and the rest of the coaching staff recognizes this, that it's it's we are focused entirely on the playoffs, and we'll worry about Aaron's situation later because we need him scoring goals. And he did that. He did that this season. His numbers bore that out. Um, and yeah, you know, they say winning is the best deodorant scoring goals is the best deodorant when it comes to drama and problems and having a head case at striker, we wouldn't be the first team to have to deal with that. So score goals. I don't care. Yeah. And you know, if his form against, uh, Philadelphia was 
best form you've seen from like any player in the league this yeah. year. <laughs> like, so uh, we know he's we know he's got it in him. Um, buy or sell? Uh, Santiago Arias's health is going to be a big topic of conversation this playoffs. Buy. Um, I think that I read online that he's out for the first game. Did I see that already? That he might be already out. Yeah. So um, I can't independently verify this, but folks who listened to the radio broadcast uh, were telling us that Pat Noonan said that he's all the radio broadcast before the Atlanta game. Um, uh, said that Pat Noonan told Tommy G that. Santiago Arias is already ruled out of the first game of round one of the playoffs. I love that. Um, I have not seen that in writing anywhere except for our Discord. <laughs> so Join the post Discord. I, 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 I can't. Um, I'll take. I mean, I, I believe, I believe the folks who said they heard that that they heard that. Yeah. Um, so I guess stay tuned on this issue, but I also buy that this is going to be a question mark for the playoffs because I think Arias will have a big role to play if the team wins MLS Cup. All right, here's a question for you. Can FC Cincinnati win MLS Cup if Santiago Arias is not healthy and is not playing in this tournament? Can, yes. Do I think they will? No. Yeah. He's so dynamic in terms of what he brings to the table over anyone else they put on the field. Like the upgrade in what Arias can do versus Alvis Powell in that space is it's night and day in terms of how much more threatening Arias looks with the ball in the attacking third. Just it's it's almost sublime. And you put Powell out there and it just it feels like a gaping hole on one side of the field, both offensively and defensively. And that's no knock on Powell. He's a very serviceable MLS player. He's just not Santiago Arias. Yep. Um, I have two All right, more. I'm loving this. This is great. All right. Buy or sell, the playoff game Sunday will not sell out. Will not sell out? Sell. It'll yeah. sell out. Um, yeah. I'll put it this way. If it's close to being a sellout, they're going to do some funny math with the tickets. <laughs> You're damn sure they're going to put up 25,513 in that game if it's anywhere near a sellout. But no, it'll sell out. I, I think that they're almost a victim of their own success a little bit in this regard in that. So getting an FCC ticket is actually kind of hard this year. Um, they sold out just about every game, and I think people just assume the games are sold out now, so I don't even know that people know that you can still buy some tickets for this game. So I, I I tend to believe it'll be a sellout just because, A, the weather looks pretty decent, knock on wood, for the match right now. They did draw a little bit of a, a tough time slot in terms of 8 p.m. Sunday on a school night, but it's playoffs, man. It's the first playoff game in TQL Stadium history. It would suck if this didn't sell out. I think the... I think people will step up. I think it'll be a pretty raucous environment. I don't know. Do you really think we're not going to yeah, sell I, this game out? Well, I'll tell you what. I think there's two things Two things working against them. One is it does look like the playoff tickets were priced a little high. Yeah. Because the the dynamic pricing from the team is already lower than what they were offered to season ticket holders for the season ticket holder pre-sale. Yeah, it's not a good look. Which is something... 
which is something I don't think is a good look, but it, it, I don't I don't want to get into that point uh, right now because w- I mean honestly whatever. Right. Um, and to I think eight p.m. on Sunday, that I think is a lot of trick or trick or treating night. Is that Halloween? Tuesday's Halloween, right? Uh, Wednesday, what, uh, yeah, two, yeah, Tuesday's right. Halloween. So I don't think anyone is, but I think, I think people are, tri- I think a lot of people are trick or treating on Sunday. I always said you did it on the day it was. I always remember Halloween happening on, this is a spoiler. It's been a very long time since I went out trick or treating. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't know, but, um, the, there's a Bengals game. Yeah. An afternoon game. 4 PM. You know, it's pushing right up against the start time. I think I think there's like some difficult factors. Yeah. Uh do I think ultimately it'll sell out? Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, they just got to get 25,000 people to want to come to a home playoff right. game. I mean, it sort of sells itself to a certain that exists. Yeah. I think that if I was in the season ticket or not the season if I was in the ticket sales department, I would I would I would be a little nervous about my hitting my metrics or whatever they got to do. But um I don't know. It's just it's it's going to be a blast. I mean, nights night night athletics, night professional sports, no matter what the sport is, playing it at night after dark hits different. This is going to be the first game in a really long time. I don't even know if, have we ever had a match kick off after dark? I, I don't, I don't know. know. All I know is we've never won the same day as the Obviously. Bengals. I mean, Jonah will let us know if that had actually happened. Um, um, but no, I feel like the last I, I, after dark game we had at TQL Stadium was the U.S.-Mexico game. Which was a November. Yeah, that was after, it was after dark. dark. It just feels different. It's just everything hits different. They do, when you're walking into the stadium and you can actually see the lights on the side of the building... If the supporters are popping strobes and flares, you see those. I mean, that's just it gets you a little more hype. There's there's also something too to just a sporting event where there's that crispness in the air, where you got the jacket on, you can you know you know you feel a little little fall. Um, I can't wait. Like you you shouldn't need to get hyped up for this game, or you shouldn't need a reason to buy a ticket for this game. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of the twelve and you don't have a ticket to this game, I don't know why you're still here. I don't know. But I'm happy you are here. Please keep listening. Um, okay, so last right. one. And I've got a little preface for All this right. one. Um, folks who, who listen will know. Those who don't know, um, I'm going to explain. Um, we had a little bit. We, we have an ongoing moratorium on mentioning a certain player for inter miami well you have the moratorium it seems to not be impacting me at all these last few episodes and chief and and chief served one punishment and has uh transgressed two additional times since then uh we're not sure what the punishment for round three is but the punishment for round two is he has to go see uh dinesh d'souza's 2000 film uh 2000 mules so chief buy or sell um, your ticket to 2,000 Mules. Uh, Have you got it? It 
is not 2,000 Mules. It's called Police State, number one. Number, oh, 2,000 Mules has already come out. And uh, the answer uh. is um, no. I have not yet gotten it. I, I'm having a little bit of some cognitive dissonance right here in that I am very willing to watch this movie and offer a review to the people of the podcast. I really do have a bit of a problem giving my money to the man. Um, I may... This may be a discussion to have with Kevin when he returns to the show from Parts Unknown. I may beg off to be allowed to pirate this and watch it just so that... I, I'll i I'll say you can okay, pirate it. That's... You don't have to buy a ticket. I don't know that I want... You do have to spend your time yeah, watching. That's uh, maybe we can talk about. Um, uh, this is not me attempting to negotiate my way out of this punishment, and I understand there will be a f- worse punishment coming afterwards. Um, I accept that reality. I don't know that he All needs right. my fifteen dollars for this ticket. I he doesn't need I, your. I money. don't want to give him my money. So he's just going to spend it. He's just going to spend no it or drugs. another movie, which would be even worse. <laughs> Yeah, do the true. put it up your nose. That's a way more productive use of my money than another movie. Yeah, so um, I'm am selling I'm selling the fact that I have bought a ticket because I have not and I do not want to buy. So this is a non buying situation. All right, well that does it for buy but, sell. Should we wrap up uh, segment? I think one that, that and... does it. Buy or sell, boy. Um, there's an ESP a bunch of ESPN shows. They could definitely use this as a segment idea. I think. <laughs> Yeah. Call Tony Reale for this one. All right, so that was buy or sell. Uh, stick around through the ad read that Kevin sent to me that he's already recorded, so I don't have to do it because just not that kind of night. I'm not not into that tonight. Um, too much soccer, too much drama, too much talking. You heard my voice enough. So stick through the ad break, and we'll be back on the other side with a preview of the playoffs. Let's do it. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order, and you let them know that we sent you. Look, they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. And we're back. Uh, Buy or sell, scintillating. I love this as a content idea. We need to bring this back in the offseason. Um, in the 11, out of the 18, getting a little stale, I think, at this point. Good talk. Um, <laughs> I'll take that as your acknowledgement that, yes, in fact, we do need to move on from that. Yeah. Uh, we. I think I think we could get more creative with, with our, our segments. With our off-season segments, yeah. segments. Uh, Kevin wants to do mock trials in the offseason. How do you feel about that? Um, we'll have to get some folks from the discord with, uh, who have appropriate experience. Yeah. Yeah, Not me. Couldn't be me. All right. So 
allegedly we're an FC Cincinnati soccer podcast. You wouldn't know that by listening to the first segment. We've got a game this weekend. We already know who the participants are going to be, thanks to New York Red Bulls absolute domination of Charlotte this evening in the wild card round or the opening round or whatever they're calling it of the MLS Cup playoffs presented by Audi and whatever other sponsor Continental Tires, Captain Morgan, DoorDash, whoever the hell else they've sold this to right now. Mentioned on the postcast. As mentioned on the uh, as sponsored by Audi MLS Cup playoffs uh cup as uh, also mentioned by the postcast as well. New York, what was your reaction? When I'll say that third goal went in and it became very inevitable that we were going to be playing New York for this series. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, thrilled. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I imagine, um, imagine like going through your day, like you're like a, you're an operator of uh, public transportation and you're just like going through your shift. You're like taking tickets, letting people on, letting people off. And uh, you look up uh, because you operate transportation in Nagasaki and uh, in 1945. And yeah, that's about how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, uh, there was a, it's a, I was like, there's nothing to do no. with me. This was just going to happen. There was nothing I could do to prevent this. This was just little Thanos level of inevitability here. I had already made my peace with the fact we were playing New York. I had placed a non-insubstantial wager on the Red Bulls this morning. So you boys having a good day when it comes to the gambling apps. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a problem. Um, oh, shit. I had to buy or sell on the gambling. I forgot to write it down. Do, could you do this yeah, sure. Quick? Sorry. Impromptu. Um, buy or sell. By yourself, nobody would have cared about that Iowa State Minnesota uh, call, except except for legalized gambling. Oh, bye! Absolutely, like the yeah. only. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced half of these decisions only occur because, or these these highlights only get shown because degenerate gamblers are losing money. Also, if you are betting on those kind of Big Ten games, you deserve to lose your money. Like that is just. The house is always going to kill you doing that. And I say this as someone who had the under this weekend in Wisconsin versus... Uh, Iowa, Minnesota? Not Iowa State. No, it was Wisconsin, was it Wisconsin-Iowa this weekend, I think? Minnesota-Iowa. Minnesota-Iowa. Who did Wisconsin right? play? Either way, they, they I got brutally murdered yeah. by a late Wisconsin touchdown that busted the under in mm. that game. Um, mm. Don't bet the bottom of the Big Ten. Don't do it. It's, it's a den of sadness down there, and you will never... You will never be better than the Sharps in Vegas at predicting that level of nonsense. Um, so, yeah, New York Red Bulls, I didn't want to see this team. I don't want to see this team. But I'm going to ask you this. Uh, Grayson, did they fire their entire wad tonight? I do believe in wasting goals. Yes. Conceptually, yes. right? Like, they definitely wasted some goals they did. tonight. They were like five goals on like just over one XG. There's some some um, bananas goals got scored tonight by New York. That to the, the like, J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien's free kick was absurd. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're in the long run. You're the back of your baseball card. Um, 
I don't think that tonight's result was representative of what we can expect to see in round one of the playoffs. No. I hope not. However, however, you're like, could they still, um, you know, could they still, could Red Bulls still win the round one playoff series? Sure. Yeah. Are they going to do it by scoring five goals a game? No. No. Charlotte was terrible tonight, too. Like, yeah, absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know what was going on with yeah. them. Like, they they weren't great this season, obviously. Like, ninth in the East. Right. But that they were as bad as any team that I've seen play. No, it was almost like they they gave up the first goal and just collapsed at that point. Like they were mentally spent after conceding first and silly giveaways. They had no ability to possess the ball whatsoever, but they were also non-threatening on the counter. And they just, by the end of that first half, they just looked shell-shocked. Like they didn't want to be there. That they're, they look like the stereotypical type of team that was so excited to make the postseason that it never occurred to them they'd actually have to play a game when they got there. Um, and I know this because I've seen the Bengals look this way multiple times in the pre Joe Burrow era of football. Yeah. Um, I talked about like get, having that mentality yeah. earlier. Red Bulls were getting to every 50, 50 yeah. ball. Like that's what, that's what got Charlotte down early was Red Bull was just taking the ball from them and beating them to every ball that there that every 50, 50 yeah. ball. And if if FC Cincinnati is going to get beat to 50-50 balls, get beat on headers, they're not going to have a great time. No. So we're just going to I think I think that I think our team is mentally tough. I know this team is mentally um, tough because I, they, I mean this team has so been through so I much. I don't expect year. them to play the game Charlotte made. Charlotte played I don't either. They've got that game in them, though. And we've seen them have that game this year, which is kind of low-key terrifying. But as somebody pointed out earlier this year, every MLS team, even the good ones, lay massive eggs over the course of a 34-game season. My thing with this game is that looking at it objectively from the outside looking in is that there are a number of things playing to FC Cincinnati's strengths in this. Number one... Charlotte has one way to beat you, and that's Carol Swiderski. And anything they're going to do is going to go through Carol Swiderski. They're very easy to defend in that regard as well. FC Cincinnati has multiple ways to beat you. There are multiple people mm -hmm. on the field at any given time who can cause you nightmares in terms of matchups. We still haven't seen that game from Brandon Vasquez yet. It's lurking out there. It, if it happens in the playoffs, that will be amazing. But... Between Vasquez, Acosta, Barrial, Bapenza, and if he's on the field, even Santiago Arias, there are a number of guys that can absolutely ruin your night on FC Cincinnati. They also can f physically match up with New York. Charlotte center backs, particularly, did not match New York in physicality at any point during this game. That will not be an issue for Yerson Mascara and Matt Miazga in this game cards have reset that's a good thing for matt miazga because i expect that he will pick up multiple cards during the course of this this series i think that for this game the other thing working in fc cincinnati's favor is that new york had to get up to play this game 
they had to get up tactically to play Charlotte, and they're now going to be traveling on a short rest week and a short prep week to play Cincinnati. And I know they've played three times this year, and this will be their fourth time, so there aren't a lot of secrets between these two teams. It's just different in the playoffs. And getting that intensity level up, FC Cincinnati only has to do it once this week. Charlotte has to, or New York has to do it twice. There's an energy cost to that, and there's only so much that you can withdraw on the bank in terms of getting yourself up to play high-level games like this. So I want to feel more, I'm trying to talk myself into feeling more confident about this than I probably should. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all of that is right. Um, I would throw... So, you know, Red Bull has played us tough all year. Let's throw out the game right after the, the clinching the supporter yeah. shield, where there was like seven rotations. The team was profoundly was hungover. hungover. Um, but even so, like up up at up in New York... Uh, they took the lead first, and we had to we had to claw back and, and steal that in a match one. without Lucho Acosta. It um, needs to be said. Fair, yeah. And then in open cup, you know, they scored late and took us to penalties. Yeah. Um, so this is a team that that has played us tough, and I, I mean, they play everybody tough. How Good they run of form how they do coming it, into this? How they do it? I don't know. Um, I think it's I think Red Bulls are a massive indictment on the league. That they just let teams play that way, yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, it's not going to be a surprise. So, um, Kimmy said in the Discord, and I agree with this, that I would be a lot more forgiving of the Red Bulls play style if they actually were the New Jersey or the Newark Red Bulls. I think I would, in, I would be a lot less angry at how cynically they play soccer if they were branded as Jersey as opposed to New York. Yeah, I think that's right. Utterly irrational take. Um, but we, but you know, remember, remember, we have our own jersey, yeah. <laughs> right? We got Matt Miazga, in the middle of the yeah. defense, um, and we got Obi. Got Evan, right? Jersey pride. Evan, Evan Loro, also Jersey. Obi's um, not from Jersey, but he has Jersey attitude. I really do believe that. Obi, yeah. yeah. Obi, Obi could. Could yeah. fit in. Just get him a tracksuit. They'll be in fine. Tracksuit and some Taylor ham. Uh, Junior Moreno has got that mustache. He's looking more Jersey every yeah. day. Aaron Bupenza um, breaking rules. That's very New Jersey. That's very mob of him. Yeah. So, um, Lucho's got little guy energy. That's also very New Jersey. Absolutely. Uh, so, I forget. I forget what question I'm trying to answer here. <laughs> But <laughs> who's more New Jersey, New York Red Bulls or FC Cincinnati? I think we're out jerseying them currently. Yeah, I mean, and we got folks from all, Philly. Philly is Philly basically, is basically New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, Albright is basically in, from New Jersey. Yeah, um, Kenny Arena, I not from New Jersey, but yeah. you know, if you told me he was from New Jersey, I'd yeah. believe you. Um, certainly wouldn't fight you on it. Um. Who's the least the, who's that, the least New Jersey person on FC Cincinnati? Brandon Roman Celentano. Roman Celentano just looks wholesome Midwest. Like he is Clark Kent. He's the Clark Kent of this team. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind he would be out of place in Gotham City. Oh yeah, he would get eaten up. Um I 
I, I, I mean, you you still have to feel good about the team. Yeah, I know we've said we've said all we we've 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 said all types of stuff. Most of this is driven by the anxiety of being a Cincinnati sports fan heading into any kind of playoff. Right. Okay. And we're, we're trying to in like, at least I personally, in my mind is immediately gravitating toward the things, anything I can possibly think Johnny of Cueto dropping the baseball, that, Jeremy that, Hill fumbling yeah, that, that, that gives that, that gives me misgivings. Luke fickle coaching, like the most but, scared five-year-old in history against Alabama. But the fact of the matter is that in the two games where we were really trying, we went to their place and beat mm-hmm. them. Um, neither one of those teams, we fielded a full first choice uh, lineup. No. Um, been the best team in MLS all year. We have, if the youths will forgive Oops. me, dogs. In this yeah. team. Okay. Evan Loro said Lucho is a dog. Yeah. I would venture that Obi is a dog. Big time dog in him. Matt Miazga is dog. a dog. Yursa dog. Mascara is a dog. Alvaro Barrio. Barrial. Dog. Dog. Santiago Arias. Dog. Dog. Uh, Brandon Vasquez. Dog. dog. Said, He's got that dog in twice. He's got double. Aaron, Bup- Aaron, Bupenza, Aaron Bupenza, dog. He's got golden retriever energy. Right? He he gets loose sometimes. You gotta. Yeah. We haven't set the invisible fence up yet, but he's a dog for sure. You occasionally have to, uh, put, a po- you have to put a post on next door every so often trying to find him, but <laughs> Bupenza's that dog. Junior Moreno. Dog. Dog. What about Ray Gattis? So, dog? Ray Gattis dog. is a dog. Yeah. Come on. The Lord allows him to be the a Lord dog. The Lord gives him those buttons, those dog buttons. Yeah, so the dog buttons. Um, Elvis, Elvis dog. Powell. Dog. Dog. Yeah. Halsey. Dom Halsey. Baji. Halsey. Dog. Brett dog. Halsey, dog. Baji, definitely a dog. Yakubo. Akita. Yeah, definitely. But strong dog energy. <laughs> dog. Dog. Um, so, you got to feel good about it. You got to feel good yeah. about it. They're, in, they're, a dog off, I like our, they're in a dog off, I like our chances. Yeah. All right. Here, and be, you know, in in a, in a soccer I like game, I like our chances. Important question: the people need to know. I need to know what your take is on this. Should we still be booing Frankie Amaya in this game after he came into our building on Shield Award night and kind of shut us the fuck up with a decent goal? Is it time to move on? I'm. I'm gonna say it's time to move on. And here's why. Oh, I can't wait for I this can't is, wait for the Discord after hearing this part. Go ahead. This is this is the playoffs. We are folk we are focused on ourselves. FC Cincinnati is 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 just focused on one goal. There's only one thing to worry about the rest of the for the next, you know, month and a half. And it's winning. MLS Cup. Singling out players on other teams, that's below yeah. us. They're they're all the same. They're just things in yeah. our way. And all of our energy, I think, should be focused on supporting our guys toward that common goal. And we should not be wasting our thoughts on 
you know, random players on other teams. I do think for the playoffs, there's a certain element of wipe the slate clean. That it's that whatever grudges existed going into the postseason, that it's time to sort of like, you are just in our way. I believe this about Columbus. I don't believe it's hell is real if we meet Columbus in the playoffs. It's not that. They are just in our way. And to put any additional significance on who we're playing, uh, every team is equal in the eyes of the Lord when it comes to facing FC Cincinnati in the playoffs. They are all equally despicable. They are all equally scumbags. And they all equally deserve to lose. So from that standpoint, I kind of agree. Even though it's going to get both of us roasted in various online circles, I think that it is time to move on for now with the Frankie Amaya hate. I will leave it as an open question as to whether or not we resume the Frankie Amaya hate when we see him next year in the regular season. I think I tend to lean towards we've put it to bed. However, I will say I am 100% behind if we establish new villains in the playoffs that it is okay to treat them as such. Or if people uh, fuck up in the playoffs, that letting them hear about that during the course of the playoffs, I'm also okay with. So, guy gets nutmegged by Lucho, leads to a goal. I'm okay heckling the guy. Guy is mm-hmm. on the ground rolling around like he's been shot with a sniper rifle, even though nobody's touched him. Okay, getting on that guy a little bit. But I don't – I agree. We don't bring grudges into the postseason. It's a They are just the hated enemy. They all start off equally detestable and equally awful in the eyes of the FC Cincinnati fandom, I think. I think, it, I, think I agree with that. This is – this is like this. It's analogous to like the Street Fighter movie when Chun Li explains to Bison that like she has this big grudge <laughs> against him because he came to her village and and killed One her of the father. Greatest scenes in film right? history. Continue. And Bison ends the quote with, "For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday." More people need to talk about how great Raul Julia was in this movie. His swan song as an actor, and he could not have gone out any better. This this game, it's it's a Sunday night playoff yes. game. It nothing nothing and no one should be more important than just advancing through the playoffs right. and 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 steamrolling whoever's in right. our way. We have to have we are Bison. We are not Chun-Li. No. It's Tiger Woods mentality. Tiger Woods wasn't playing yep. Phil Mickelson. Tiger Woods was playing Tiger Woods. He's going to do his thing. And that's the joy of being the Supporter Shield winning team, is that you play your game. It's gotten you to be the best team so far in the league. If you play your game, especially in this new format, where it's three games and not just any given Sunday uh, when it comes to the matchups, you play your game, you do what you did the entire year that got you to this point, the odds are you're not going to lose two out of three. So, yeah. Make it a Tuesday. Don't make it a big day. I like that. Make it a Tuesday. Obscure reference, but I think it would play. Yeah. I think so, so we reach the moment of truth. What do you got this game as for a final score? I'm going to go one nothing the FC. Yeah. That feels really right. 
That feels really right. That's what I would have done if you hadn't done it. But in the interest of being different, I'm going to say two to one to the FC, but the two is quick and they get one back and we have to sweat out a second half up one is where I think I see this going. That also feels right. I think that it is of paramount importance in either scenario to score the first goal. I do not think that this Mm -hmm. series is going to go well for FC Cincinnati, and I think it is going to be unwatchable for the paying attendance that will sell out TQ Stadium if Red Bulls gets up a goal on the road. I do not think you will see them pushing for five like they did tonight. I think they will take the bus they arrived in and they will park it directly in front of the net and you will be treated to a spectacle of acting unlike anything you will see reported on in broadwayworld.com. So there you have it. Um, I feel good about those predictions. I think one of those is going to be right. I'll bet Kevin would have predicted the Red Bulls to win. Yeah, fuck Kevin. Don't like that. There's been a request in the Discord that uh, we end this episode with a fuck Frankie. But I think we've put that to bed. I think we've given some good reasons why that's not going to be the case. Much like the FC, I think we do what got us to this point. What do you think about that, Grayson? Just win, baby. Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.